Kia ora and a big hello firstly to our local church here on the Kapiti Coast who can I say have been so supportive through this time. Anita and I no doubt are missing connecting with you in real life and can't wait for the day that we can finally do that again and also a big shout out to our whole New Life family all over New Zealand and beyond. Grace and peace to you as we join with literally millions of believers around the world to celebrate the resurrection of our Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this Easter Sunday, we are not remembering a Jesus who was alive and is now dead. We are celebrating a Jesus who was dead and is now alive. Woohoo! This is my favourite service of the year. See, that's the beauty of the Easter story. It ends with a festival, not a funeral. A.W. Tozer, the great writer, said this, The account of the life of Jesus Christ is the only biography known to man that does not end with death and burial. The only record of human life that joyfully hastens on to the next chapter after the last. You know, and I tell you, the victim of Calvary is now loose and at large. He is risen. He is alive. The angel that rolled away the stone from the tomb was not to let Christ out, but to let the unconvinced in. In Mark chapter 16, verse 4, it says, But when they looked up, they saw that a stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Of course, over time, there have been those who have said that this resurrection story is exactly that, a story. To coin a modern day term, it's fake news. And that's why I've called this message today, No Hoax. No Hoax. And I guess it's a reply to a selection of objections when it comes to the resurrection. And I think it's important to do this kind of thing because many Christians know what they believe, but they don't know necessarily why they believe it. So today in the time that we have, I want to reply to four objections to the resurrection. And I hope this helps you today. If you're a skeptic or an agnostic, this will give you some of the thinking as to why we believe the resurrection is no hoax. Objection number one. People say it was not a matter of resurrection, but resuscitation. Not a matter of resurrection, but resuscitation. And the idea behind that is, is that Jesus actually didn't die on the cross. He merely passed out in the, uh, and in the coolness of the tomb, he revived. And after all, the Roman soldiers, they weren't doctors. How would they be able to tell? They, they, they wouldn't be able to tell if he was really dead. How, how, how? And so maybe he just revived rather than actually resurrected. Well, the fact is, it is true that Roman soldiers were not doctors. They did not understand the medical profession, if you like. But here's what we've got to know is that they were experts in killing. That was their job, and they were very, very good at their job. In fact, their lives depended on it. See, if a prisoner were to somehow 
escape alive, the soldiers responsible for that prisoner escaping would lose their life. So that alone was a huge employment incentive to do their job and do it very well. Objection number two, Jesus faked it. He was just faking it. He, he survived the torture. He survived the crucifixion. And somehow he got out of the grave clothes and he moved the huge stone over the tomb. He snuck past the guards and caught up with the disciples and was like, ta-da, hey, I'm back, boys. And uh, think about that for, for a moment. Think about that. His body would have been so badly beaten, so badly damaged by the whipping and the beating he had received. The bones in his hands and feet, they would have been destroyed. Walking, in reality, would have been impossible. In fact, Jesus turning up in such a pathetic condition would hardly have inspired his disciples to proclaim, wow, here is the Lord of life who has triumphed over death in the grave, victorious conqueror. Let's start a worldwide movement based on the hope that we too can have a resurrection body like this. That would be absurd. Objection number three. Well, there were no eyewitnesses. Where's your proof? There were no eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Nobody was there. Nobody saw the body in the tomb start to shake. Nobody saw Jesus get up and come out. Nobody saw them. No one saw Jesus actually resurrect and come alive. Well, let me say this. We don't see dinosaurs. We study fossils. We don't know how disease originates. We study its symptoms. And maybe nobody witnesses a crime, but the police can piece together evidence after the fact. One theologian said it this way. Here's how I look at the evidence of the resurrection. I ask myself two questions. First, did Jesus die on the cross? And second, did he appear later to people? The theologian said, if you can establish those two things, you have made your case. Because dead people don't usually do that. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6, it says, Then he, Jesus, appeared to more than 500 of his followers, listen, at once. 500 of his followers at once, most of whom at the time this was written were still alive. Friends, Jesus the Christ appeared and was seen by over 500 people at the same time after his resurrection. Women, relatives, disciples, outsiders. In fact, the amount of eyewitnesses who saw Jesus alive at the same time is actually overwhelming proof of his resurrection. Objection number four. The disciples lied. Well, I don't think the disciples lied. Well, you might ask why. Why don't I think the disciples lied? Well, simply because they died for the message. The disciples died for their beliefs. I don't think they lied because they died. 
They died for their faith. Listen, when Jesus was arrested, the disciples ran away. They disbanded. Peter, as you know, even denied Christ. A maid girl came and asked him, hey, aren't you one of those who were with him? And he, he was like, no, I, I'm, he was so afraid. He's like, no, no, I, I, I was not with him. I, I don't know him. Yet we find a few short days later, we find the disciples regathering. We find them committing themselves to spreading a specific message, proclaiming what? That Christ died, was buried, and he rose again. In fact, they committed to do this, proclaim this message for the rest of their lives without any payoff, without any form of payment from a human point of view. So you've got to ask the question, why did they do this? For good intentions? For a mansion in the Mediterranean? No. They committed to sharing this message because they were convinced that they had seen Jesus alive from the dead and they were prepared to die for that truth. But I suppose some could argue and some have that, well, Muslims, Mormons, followers of the crazy Jim Jones, if you remember him, haven't they also died for their beliefs? Haven't they also died for what they believed? And the answer to that is yes. But there is a difference. See, Muslims might be willing to die for their belief that Allah revealed himself to Muhammad. But this revelation was not done in a publicly observable way. So they could be wrong about it. They may sincerely think it's true, but they can't know it for a fact, as they didn't witness that event for themselves. However, with the disciples, they were willing to die for something they had seen. They were willing to die for something they had seen with their very own eyes, something they had seen and touched with their own hands. They were in a unique position, not just to believe Jesus, but to know for sure. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Peter writes this, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses to His majesty. Eyewitnesses of His majesty. And when you've got 11 credible people with no ulterior motives, with nothing to gain and everything to lose, who all agree that they observed something with their own eyes, you've got some difficulty explaining that away. See, people will die for their religious beliefs if they sincerely believe that they're true. But people won't die for their religious beliefs if they know their beliefs to be false. See, while most people can only have faith that their beliefs are true, the disciples, however, were in a unique position to know without doubt whether or not Jesus had risen from the dead. They claimed that they saw him, that they talked with him, 
that they ate with him. And if they weren't absolutely certain, they wouldn't have allowed themselves, think about it, they wouldn't have allowed themselves to be tortured and put to death for proclaiming that the resurrection had happened. See, people don't die for a lie that they know is false. In fact, Thomas, remember the disciple, we, he's often called Doubting Thomas. He, he, he had not seen Jesus when he first appeared to the other disciples. And he's like, listen, I'm not going to believe it unless I can see the nail marks in his hand, if I can put my, my, my uh, uh, fingers, if you like, in his, his side. I, I'm just not going to believe it. And then we know Jesus appeared in the room and, and Thomas said, my Lord and my God. What happened to Thomas? He went on to die proclaiming the risen Christ in India. He was martyred believing that. He had seen with his eyes. He had touched with his hands and proclaimed my Lord and my God. People don't die for a lie. I'm going to tell you today, he is risen. And why is the resurrection of Jesus important to us here today as believers? Why is it essential? I know some people might say, well, does it really matter? No, 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 it, it, it matters. The resurrection of Jesus is extremely important. It's important because the resurrection validates the message of the gospel. Not only does it validate the message of the gospel, it validates the messenger of the gospel. What do I mean? Well, throughout history, from Indian gurus to Roman emperors to Egyptian pharaohs, there have been many people who have proclaimed, even, even today, there are people who proclaim themselves to be God. The problem is they died and stayed dead. Jesus said he was God in the flesh. And his resurrection power proved that he was who he said he was. Listen, I'll say that again. Jesus said he was God in the flesh and his resurrection proves that he was who he said he was. The Apostle Paul says it so well in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 13. He says, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we have found then to be false. False witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith, my faith, is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Then he goes on to say this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as Adam, so as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. 
You know, Christ's death on the cross has power because of the resurrection. You cannot separate the two. See, the resurrection is the proof of our reconciliation. See, just as surely as there was an actual cross, an actual body, actual blood, an actual death, an actual tomb, an actual resurrection, know today, so there has been an actual atonement, not merely the possibility of one. Sin is dealt with. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And I tell you, as Jesus hung on the cross, upon him was laid the iniquity and sin of us all. But know this, when Christ rose again, our sins did not. They are buried forever in his grave. Death died when Christ rose. The sting of it, the power of it. Death died when Christ rose. His resurrection, Christ's resurrection, validates the messenger and his message. And his every promise is yes and amen. And so we've got to understand the resurrection of Jesus demands not just our applause, but our allegiance. Not just our compliments, but our capitulation. It requires our surrender. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Or as he gave himself for us, let us today in a fresh way give ourselves to him. Do you know Jesus today? Would you give your life to him? Listen, because he rose, we can rise. Because he rose, you can rise. You might think, well, hey, pastor, but my life is a mess. My life's uh, uh, mucked up. I've done so many wrong things. Uh, maybe, maybe you're feeling my life is a bit, of a, a bit of a tragedy. But can I tell you, think about, think about this. God takes the symbols of tragedy. He's used to doing this. He takes a symbol of tragedy and makes them symbols of triumph. A Roman cross was an instrument of death. It's now a symbol of love. A tomb for the dead, now empty, becomes a symbol of hope. He can take your tragedy and turn it into triumph. Because he rose, you can rise. Listen to me. Your friends, they will leave you at your grave. But I want to tell you, God will not. Because he rose, you can rise. What did God do? The Bible says God put the wrong on him, Jesus, who never did anything wrong. So we could be put right with God. We can be right with God. The sinless one took on the face of the sinner so that we sinners could take on the face of a saint. This is the life-changing power of the gospel. This is the life-changing power 
of the resurrection. Would you give your life to him today? Maybe you're watching this for the first time and you've just tuned into this kind of service before and you actually know even right now the Holy Spirit is touching your life and you know you need to respond at this moment. Would you give your life to him? Would you not just go, yes, I, I, I believe it, but would you receive it today as a message to you that you would not just compliment, but you would capitulate, that you would surrender your life to him? Would you do that today? Maybe also you've been going to church for a while, but you realize you haven't fully committed your life to Jesus. You haven't fully said, God, I'm just going to give it or give you my, or would you surrender refresh or maybe even recommit to him today? If that's you, I'm just going to ask us in a moment to bow our heads and we will all pray together and ask Christ, to this, this Jesus of the resurrection, to resurrect our lives today. Let's pray. Just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Today I turn my life away from sin and towards God. Be not just my Savior, but my King. Be the master of my life from this day forth. I submit myself to your leading and to your guidance from this day forth. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pronounce a blessing over you and your family today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless.